When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Just popping in to say that this episode was recorded on the eve of the cyclone Gabrielle hitting. Clearly, we didn't have any idea of the kind of destruction it would have. Phoebe and her family are okay, but there are plenty of people out there who aren't. If you're wanting to help and are able to donate, you can pop over to redcross.org.nz and donate funds to the New Zealand Disaster Fund. Or if you're an artist who is selling artwork and donating the proceeds, you can use the hashtag artforcyclonerelief and we'll be able to share that and get you as much exposure as we can. Recording. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Fail Like an Artist with your hosts, Julie Battisti and me, Phoebe Ganza, a podcast discussing all the ways we've failed as artists with insight, advice and humour. Each episode, we will discuss a failure and what we've learned from it. I'm excited about this topic, but first... How are you, Julie? Yeah, I'm pretty good. My mum left on the weekend, which was a bit sad, but I've got friends visiting at the moment, which has been really wonderful. And I actually, I finished some works on the weekend, which I'm feeling pretty chuffed about. And I don't, usually the um, anxiety creeps in when I've finished Mm. work, which we can delve into Mm. later. But I think, you know, they're works that I started when I was pregnant with Elfie and it's feeling like quite a, I don't know, I just, I don't often feel proud of myself for getting stuff Aww. done but it feels like quite an achievement I'm sure that when I go to package them I'll you know hit the wall then <laughs> no. but for the moment I'm just like I've, I've they're signed they're varnished oh they, I think yeah if you're talking about your latest cloud one I absolutely love that I think that is my favorite of yours oh thank you you're the second person it's, to say that so, so that feels nice. really but then I think that every time you do a new cloud painting mm. <laughs> I know this, this one's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> But um, what about you? How's um? Oh yeah, we uh yeah. We're, I've got my two boys home today because the schools have closed because Hurricane Gabrielle is is about to hit. Uh, well, it has hit the North Island of New Zealand, so everybody is sort of battening down the hatches. And we spent the weekend. Well, I say we. My husband spent the weekend kind of um, tidying all the garden up tying everything down putting away garden furniture things like that because the wind is supposed to get quite severe later um, which is why the their schools have closed so yeah it's a bit it's a little bit worrying but I'm trying to stay positive Mm. and hope that things are not going to be too bad where we are I do feel for the people up in Auckland who've been hit by quite a bit bit of terrible weather recently so Mm. and then I've been packing up the last bits of my artwork and I have yet to yeah do any painting but I have got some ideas for a few more pieces that I'm going to start this week hopefully oh that's yeah. good so that's where I'm at but yeah I've had two coffees and I'm <laughs> ready to start <laughs> chatting about imposter syndrome all right shall we yeah. jump in So I think you dug around a little bit and found a definition for us. 
I did. Yes, I went. Um, I did some. Uh, I love it when people say research. Well, they did Google it. <laughs> Didn't do any research. That was a bit weird. I googled. I googled it, and this is what came up. <laughs> the definition of imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own effort or skills. And people suffering from imposter syndrome may be at an, an increased risk of anxiety. Imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomenon or imposterism, is a psychological occurrence in which an individual doubts their skills, talents or accomplishments and has a persistent internalised fear of being expo exposed as a fraud. Despite external evidence of their competence, those those experiencing this phenomenon do not believe they deserve their success or luck. Do you know what I find really difficult about that definition? What? It makes it sound like it's some really extreme psychological condition and I just consider it effective. I think there's, well, I think there is like imposter syndrome where it's like a clinical... Debilitating. Yeah, like a clinical yeah. condition that needs psychiatric therapy or help. And then there is also kind of creative imposter syndrome uh, where it's not as debilitating constantly, but it sort of just rises up as a kind of feeling of being not really believing in... Do we sort of mean when people say I'm feeling anxious today and people then struggle with anxiety as a yeah. condition? Yeah, so there's... Yeah, exactly. It's a spectrum. So you can have an anxiety disorder mm. or you can just have a feeling of anxiety. Do we want to have a, I guess, dig in a little mm. bit? to how imposter syndrome how we see yeah. imposter syndrome popping up for us yeah how what about you how do you how's it applied to you do you think is it something you suffer from occasionally or a lot or less now a lot more? I think it's ever present and or, you know in some degrees and I think that sometimes it's worse than others some days I probably don't think about it at all. And then I think when there are big events, it's there mm. a lot. So, and then I can sort of pinpoint, you know, real times in my life where I think it has stopped me from doing things. So when I finished art school, I did not think of myself as being good enough as an artist to start then, even though I probably had the passion mm. then, but not the confidence. Right. It's the big jump. So when I went from moving to just doing art as my main thing felt like a really big jump and I remember doubting myself like how mm. do you, you you can't do this as your full-time job did it take a while to kind of make that leap it took a long time and I almost think we can sort of do this as a whole different podcast like transitioning mm. from side hustle to full-time job because it was a really slow transition it's almost like I had to wean myself mm. off and then like every time I send a painting every yeah. time I send a painting and I, you know now, because I probably contact you every time I have to send a painting to someone and say, I think it's shit. Everyone's going to hate it. What if the gallery wants to drop mm. me? Or before I post something, even I'm just like, oh. Anyway, so to different degrees, it, it does creep in a lot. What about you? Yeah, same. I think for me, it was really loud at the beginning um, in my head because I didn't have... A formal art training you know other than high school and then going on and doing textile design I didn't really deep down consider the, the alcohol ink and the resin art to be proper art in inverted commas in my head now I don't want to make anyone else feel bad if that's the type of art they do um I'm not saying it's not art but for me there was a little tiny voice in my head that would say, oh, that's not what you're doing. That's not real art. That's not, that's not actually, you're not, mm. you know, that's just easy and anyone could do it. And, you know, you say you're not a real artist. You're not doing something that's difficult. And it was a very weird sort of feeling of like having lots of people say, oh, I love your art and you're amazing. And I had this voice in my head that was like, you're actually just pulling the walls up, wool over everyone's eyes because this isn't actually real art. And... I don't know it was just really it was really um really hard to consider I didn't really consider myself fully um an artist then even though I would look at other people that did resin art beautiful big pieces of resin art and I didn't think that they were an artist 
So it was a very uh, mm. contradictory thing because I wouldn't apply the same beliefs to other people. It was only to myself. I think that that's the thing with imposter syndrome, though, that whatever you think your thing is, it pops up. So like you say, you didn't go to art school and it popped up for you. And I think I did go to art school and I felt like a small fish in a big mm. pond or whatever that saying is. Yeah. It, it, there's always that. It's like that's it right. finds whatever little thing that you can. Oh, it that's it. It finds whatever your weak spot is and then it just sort of attaches mm. itself to that and then that kind of is a is really hard to move away from and and so that when I started painting properly again of course like you say any kind of time that you sort of level up or mm. upskill because I did that without training uh, apart from you know just practicing myself again I would look at other people that that were doing it because they'd been to art school or even, you know, I wouldn't even know what their background was, but I would just assume that they had had years and years of experience over me. And I'd think, well, I I don't really deserve any kind of accolade or praise because I haven't haven't done it for long enough or I haven't learnt properly and I'm just sort of making it up. And, yeah, I did, I felt like a massive charlatan and I just I honestly did feel like someone's going to figure it out and they're going to call me out and they're going to tell everyone <laughs> I'm a I'm a fake and I'm a fraud and it's so weird <laughs> a no they're not <laughs> b even if they, it's lies anyway yeah it's so weird I can't understand why it happens really um, I think partly it might be a self-esteem thing. Um, I didn't have very high self-esteem for a long time and I had quite bad anxiety, well, very bad anxiety for a long period of time. And I think perhaps those two things do come into play whenever you do something that on paper you should be proud of or other people are celebrating you and, you know, I found that I didn't believe it sort of mm. and deep I think down. even sort of recently it was interesting we were talking a couple of weeks ago and I rang you and said oh my gosh you must be so excited your 31 day challenge is going so well I love watching it and they've been selling so quickly and you were clinging on to a couple of small mm. things that had happened like you know that one particular work hadn't sold or I know. I literally remember. I felt like I was nearly about to cry (laughs) when you was like saying, "Well done," and I just was like, "I don't know." I think I always set the bar so high for myself, almost unachievably high. Stupid things like I wanted to post my paintings, and you know they would sell, but they would sell within within the twenty four hours, say. And I, I was like, well, I want them to sell within five minutes. <laughs> and if they haven't sold within five minutes, I failed. And I'm, I'm a fake and I'm a fraud and I'm rubbish and I'm useless. And just so, so silly. Like, it, what? Ridiculous. I mean, if anyone else told me that, I'd think you're bonkers. That's not but rational. But I remember when we, like, after we spoke about that, I was thinking later that day, I remember one of my first exhibitions in Melbourne where I had like, you know, maybe might've been 10 floral paintings, nine of them sold. And all I could think mm. about was that one that didn't sell. Like it wasn't a success because that one didn't sell. Yeah. Like it wasn't a sellout show. And I was so hung up on that. It was so ridiculous. Yeah. I should have just celebrated the ones that didn't sell. And then like even more recently, yeah, exactly. my show at De Novo, the, cloud, um, the Cloudscape exhibition, everything did sell. And then I was like, mm. I felt really deflated afterwards and I could not tell you why and then I also got in my head and I was like oh I don't want to post that I had a sellout show because you know who do I think I am yeah 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 that's because then you're thinking well I don't want to seem big-headed I don't want to like celebrate this so stupid if you told me this I'd be like Phoebe get out there and celebrate like that's ridiculous exactly this is what I find strange is how we can't apply the 
sort of rational thinking that we would if a friend told us that, that you know, that what, what I was thinking, you know, you were there going, you need to celebrate, you need to be proud. And I was like, I don't know why, but I still, I just felt like, like you say, deflated and, and weirdly, weirdly like it wasn't the success that I wanted it to mm. be, which is so strange. And I don't quite know why. I can't, I can't figure it out. I do sometimes wonder whether that, you know how you talk about you set yourself goals, whether it's that um, goal setting. And even though it comes with imposter syndrome and a little bit of deflation sometimes, but whether it's that goal setting, which is, you know, sometimes unachievable, but that keeps you moving forward in the momentum that you've got. Because mm. I know with myself, if I wasn't so hard on myself, I wouldn't have done what I've been able to do without... Yeah. Like, there's no way I'd be in the studio ridiculous hours and enjoying it if I didn't have, if I wasn't reaching for something unobtainable almost. Yeah. I feel it's a bit like the carrot and the stick. And I, I have those goals sometimes, which which are like the carrot, and they keep me moving forward. Um, but for some reason, I also <laughs> carry a stick. <laughs> I have to... <laughs> And, uh, you know, it'd be really nice if I could just, we could all just throw the stick away and we just mm. had the carrot. But um, fortunately, we, and I think perhaps the stick is the perfectionism, Yeah, you know, and I, a lot of people that have anxiety tend to also be perfectionists. Um, the, well, people I've talked to anyway, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to broadly sweep over the entire nation, but um I do find that I become a bit of a perfectionist about a lot of things. And it's weird because I I don't mean that in a literal sense, like my house is a mess and I'm a mess and my studio is a mess. But what I mean is if if I decide I want to do something or I want to achieve something and it doesn't completely align or, you know, line up exactly how I have put it in my head, I can get sort of really hung up on that and then feel like, a failure or whatever and the thing is is that nothing's ever going to be perfect so you're almost always setting yourself up to have that yeah well I think we both had that sense of imposter syndrome when we started this podcast but our motto has has been resoundingly done is better than perfect because if we tried to perfect this it would we'd never Mm. release it it's just not possible given the time and the resources that we've got and I think a hundred percent feel grateful that I'm doing this with you like because we keep ourselves grounded by that and I think if it was just me trying to do a podcast but well I know for a fact that I wanted to do a podcast for years Mm. before before we decided on it and but I never got it off the ground uh, because I I would have been far too much of a perfectionist about every single aspect of it and everything having to be completely perfect and because it wouldn't be completely perfect then I didn't I was clearly not in my head worthy of doing it kind of thing whereas now we're doing it together it's like I'll say to you don't worry about that just that's fine and then you'll say to me oh don't you know whatever don't you don't need to worry about posting on social media just leave it for today you know because we're both there just being reasonable Mm. being that voice of reason that the other person needs to go you're right I'm getting hung up about something that I don't need to get hung up about and and that is grounding and that's I think that's why it's so important to have studio buddies that you talk to as an artist Mm. that was exactly (laughs) the thought I was just having like that has been the biggest I think the one of the things that's helped me the most in the last few years especially has been able to call people who I trust and say I'm feeling like I can't even send this painting like I remember back in September I had a floral work and I was feeling so unsure about it I almost didn't send it to the gallery. I almost sent them a message just saying, look, I'm I'm not sure if it's up to the normal standard and I sent it to you and another friend of mine, um, Patch, and was just like, I think this is so bad. And you both just went, Julie, you're being ridiculous. <laughs> like, And I needed to hear that from someone who I trusted yeah. because I almost get so in my head about it sometimes that I think that people are going to lie to me. Like yeah. people, will, you know, if my husband said, oh, it's great, I would have just been like, oh, yeah, but you have yeah. to say that. You married me. And but then yeah, like it would have been ridiculous for you to send that to the gallery and say I or send the photo to the gallery and say, 
I don't think is up to standard because like well then you're putting that seed of thought in their head of like well hasn't is it not up to standard has she not tried hard enough and that wasn't the case you had tried you know you had put every single effort in and and it you know it, it was a beautiful piece and I don't even know what what led you to think it wasn't but you do sometimes need to not listen to your thoughts in your own head I think that's a huge huge mindset thing that I have implemented in my own uh, sort of mental health practice actually that I I think listening to quite a few you know mindfulness podcasts and reading books and things like Eckhart Tolle and I I, I use that metaphor you are not your thoughts you, you know you are the observer of your thoughts but you are not actually your thoughts so when you're having these rid- ridiculous thoughts about that you are a fraud and you've got to sort of imagine that you are the sky which is always blue like the, the the sky is always blue above the clouds and some days there are no clouds and it's a lovely sunny day but other days there are clouds and those clouds are your thoughts sometimes they're just little clouds floating on by but other days they are storm clouds full of thunder and lightning and heavy rain but you can just observe them and think is is this true or is this just something I've made up in my head and taking on that perspective of trying to distance yourself from the, the, the negative thoughts that you're having about whether you're a fraud. Are you a fraud? Have you tricked people? Is this painting actually rubbish? Mm. And deep down, you know it's absolutely rubbish and you put no effort in and you're trying to sell it for loads and loads of money. No, that's not true. <laughs> you know, It's not true. So then you know you can just say to yourself, well, that's just a silly thought and it's not true. And then you can sort of just allow that thought to pass by and try to be objective. And I think, yeah, that that's a good practice to bring in when you when you start getting overwhelmed and your mind gets all cluttered and full of all these sort of negative things that I that's something that I do anyway. Mm. I mean, and I, I struggle with mindfulness in the really direct translation of it, like in terms of. And I've tried to do it for years and years and years. And I found that I have to do something active. So I have to go for a run. I have to get out of my head. I have to turn that painting around. I can't, I'm not, yeah, I'm not very good at meditation or any of those things, like the more passive forms. I I have have to to do do active meditation. Definitely. I, I I can, I, I wouldn't, I'll never, I can never just sit, sit still and close my eyes and, um, that's too boring, (laughs) but I can, if I go for a run, (laughs) then that's, yeah, like you say, a really good way to just let all the thoughts kind of come into your head and then leave and come into your head and then leave and just notice them rather than like, you know, obsessing over them. And then, yeah, or I have a shower or a bath or something like that. I find that that helps me kind of... Sometimes you just need Mm. to allow all those thoughts to rise to the surface and then just let them all, you know, fizzle out. I think sometimes as well, like, and I find especially whenever you see people saying, you know, do these three things to overcome imposter syndrome Mm. or like sometimes, you know, meditation's not your jam or sometimes you're just so stuck in it. And sometimes I think, why do I have to fight against Mm. this? Like, can't I just accept the fact that I have imposter syndrome? I always get it and I always find some way of overcoming it. And sometimes it just means I jump in the Mm. deep end, like I just stop looking, stop thinking about it and do the thing. Sometimes even when I'm unprepared, you know, you sort of get that sink or swim. Yeah. I think it's not, I think it's helpful to find your own, own way of overcoming it. Like there's not ever going to be one right way or three right ways of kind of dealing with it. I think where I, like I do, sometimes I think I don't even want, to overcome it like thinking that I don't know maybe with an abundance of counseling I could get there but sometimes I just think fuck it I'm insecure I'm never going to be confident um and instead of constantly trying to better myself can't I just find a way of being okay with that and living with it and doing things in spite of that and I think my Mm. like the biggest successes I think are the fact that I've done all these things in spite of being incredibly insecure about them oh yeah I think that's a really empowering way of looking at it like what's that saying feel the fear and do it anyway it's like 
I don't, maybe that's a funny way of thinking about it. No, but I think if that's how you are going to tackle it, and I think if that's helpful to you, mm. everybody's different. Like sometimes people need practical steps to try to overcome it, and other times people just need to make peace with yeah, and accept something that they think, well, there's no point putting energy into trying to change this. I may as well put my energy into elsewhere. And um, it, when it rears its head, I know that if I talk to a friend or go for a run or, um, you know, maybe do some journaling or whatever, write down what's true and what's what's not true. You know, there's so many ways you can come through these feelings and not every way is going to be the right way for someone else. It's a very individual thing. Yeah, I think that's a really important note. A thing that I found with the idea of imposter syndrome, of of that feeling like you're a fraud, and I was talking to my husband about this the other day, because he was saying, like, I've always been that arty kid that, you know, I've always been able to draw quite well. I've and that's not to say that if you can't draw, you you're not an artist. I think there's, I think so. I was listening to a podcast and I can't remember where now, but they were talking about how non-artists are like muggles and artists are like wizards. Have you heard that? I have, and I can't remember I which have, podcast no, it was I either. It might have been that that creative pep talk again. And it was that was a really good analogy because it, because I can draw fairly accurately, like it just comes naturally to be able to do that. I don't see the merit in it the same way that my husband sees when I do it. Like, because he's like, well, I could never do that. Like, that's imp- it would be, take me hours to try and get it to look like that. And I would have to rub it out so many times and it would go so wrong. And so he, he's got that sort of like the awe factor, you know, the wow, that's amazing. How do you do that? I don't see that. I don't see the, va- you know, the value in it the same way that he does. And so you feel like a trickster or a fraudster because you have created this thing with with not much effort you know obviously there is effort like in, a, in a, doing a whole painting I'm not saying there's no effort involved but comparatively to a muggle to someone that doesn't know the the wizard magic that you're born you know like we are born wizards <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah and I, I don't know if that's going to come across right because I think it there might- are people out there that who practice art and it it perhaps does take a lot of work to get where they are. But uh, that creative desire to create the work is innate. And if it's not there, it's going to take a lot of energy to try and muster it. Does it make sense? Does that make sense? It does. But I think also there's, you know, if I'm going to elaborate on that whole analogy, it's like if I also draw like quite a long bow. Um, You know how when people see like the line drawing from Picasso and it's sort of like, yes, that may have taken him a minute, but it's all of those years of practice that made that an easy thing for him to do. It's like Mm. you went to, you know, it's all of the wizarding school. Yeah, you went to wizard school. (laughs) You had had the wizard abilities, but you also went to wizard school. Have we taken this too far? And it wasn't wasn't until you did your five years at Hogwarts that you got really good at wizarding. (laughs) Um. Yeah, no, I just, I think it's like anything then. And, but then, and and so it's so interesting because you can, you can turn that around and you can say, like, I'll see someone who um, say is a amazing singer, you know, and you'll, you'll see one of those, um, you know, um, TV shows where someone just goes on stage and then they just sing a cappella and it's absolutely beautiful, pitch perfect, Mm. you know, hairs on your arms, standing on end, um, and you just think, wow, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And you, you're so awestruck and uh, um, you, th- you think, well, they've got so much talent, that's so much skill. But for them, they go, well, I just open my mouth and this is the, what comes out. And that's not to say there's not um, practice involved and, and, and definitely they'll probably need training and they'll need you know, lots of um, repetition to be able to get it perfect every time or whatever. But there's something in them that they've got that, you know, I haven't. Like, I haven't got perfect pitch. <laughs> Far from it. I, you know, I I'm sing terrible singing voice. My my daughter says to me, Mummy, can you please not sing when I sing? My son says that to me too. <laughs> can you please not sing, Mummy? Um, but I wonder if those singers also get imposter syndrome. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, someone that can play a musical instrument. 
you know, with all the practice in the world, I don't, I wouldn't be a great um, pianist or I've tried playing musical instruments. It's just my brain can't get my head around it. It's just too hard. <laughs> and I'm just not, I haven't got a musical note in my body, you know, like a bone in my body. And so when I see someone else play, playing the piano, I just think, oh my God, that's so amazing. And I wish I could do that, you know, and it just, it gives me those that feeling of like envy of like wow that's so amazing and that's what other people muggles <laughs> see when they look at an artist's work and yet because it's something that we have created mm. we don't see it from the objective point of view we can't distance ourselves far enough from it so that we can see the merit yeah you're not comparing your work internally to a muggle though do you know what I mean? You're always pitching yourself against the, you know, the artist that you think is <laughs> the most. And it's the same. Do you know what? That singer is probably thinking the same thing. Exactly. She's probably thinking, yeah, but I'm still not Beyonce. Yeah. I'm not as good as, you know, whoever. I can't think of <laughs> Beyonce. When I Googled that definition of imposter syndrome, because I found the same one that you did, mm. underneath that somewhere, there was some stat and I don't know the ins and outs of it so it may be true may not be true but it was like 85% of people you know struggle with imposter syndrome and I was like what the other 15% are lying like yes in some I was actually so my husband has been listening to the podcast which was quite a surprise for me well I asked him to listen to the first one because I was so insecure about it (laughs) and he said I thought that imposter syndrome was a doctor thing yeah and I remember thinking I thought it was a creatives thing so and that's I think where because I think we're all a little bit myopic sometimes. Mm. And regarding this, I had assumed it was more, you know, maybe impacts creatives more than anyone else. But I think that actually most people, and yeah. you, maybe you're really confident and you don't, but I think most people struggle with it. I think anyone in a, in a field where there's a <laughs> level of excellence to be, you know, to be attained, you're always going to perhaps compare yourself to those above you and think, well, I've, I'm falling short because I'm not you know, the top in my field or whatever, you know, I'm not the best brain surgeon in the world or I'm not the best um, singer in the world or I'm not the, I'm not Picasso. And so if I'm not that, then I'm clearly an imposter. And then you've just got to realise that this, well, you know, we can't, no, there is only a few great, great artists out there, but there's plenty of space for millions of, the rest of us really good ones <laughs> but I think you don't Without ever and, you know, and this goes back to what we were talking about in our first episode you don't just find you I don't think you achieve excellence and then stop trying no. to and I think sometimes imposter syndrome and the doubts and the is what keeps you moving upwards like mm. it's what keeps your progression scaling up I don't maybe maybe I'm just trying to look for the positives in the in the hard bits so um, we might, uh, we had quite a few listener responses um, on Phoebe's page and on the flat page. So maybe we'll try and answer some of those. Was there any in particular that jumped out at you, Phoebe? Yes, I had a question here um, from Art by Shani. Um, she said, in regards to your imposter syndrome question, I love being inspired by other artists and urging them to go for gold with their art journey. But honestly, sometimes other people's success and talent is so intimidating that it makes me want to throw out all my art gear, which leads to this massive doubt of my abilities. I think it's getting better, but I still hate it when that sour perspective sneaks up. Do you have any tips on how to channel your imposter syndrome into something positive and productive? Hmm, Julie. I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before in terms of using it as a driver, like using it as something to push against. Mm. But I also find sometimes like there are specific accounts and often, to be honest, there have been ones that people have sent me where people have, I think, well-meaningly sent me accounts saying, oh, this person paint, paints clouds as well. How awesome are they? And I, it creeps in really yeah. badly with me sometimes there. And if it's, if it's an account, sometimes I'll p- put them on mute yeah. and sometimes I will just straight up not follow an account because I don't need that in the back of my head. Yeah. Sometimes it's a noise that you don't need. I guess they're the two things, the two directions that I would go with that sort of a problem. What about you? I did a post yesterday where I where I shared work that I've just done this year versus work that I did a year ago. And I think there's always going to be so much noise out there of other people succeeding. 
and it's really important to to try not to compare yourself to those people and to just compare yourself to past you um because then you will see then you will see you know your progress then you'll see how far you've come and really and I said this in the post the, the only person that you should compare yourself to is past you because if you allow successes of others to get into your head that is just going to kind of yeah eat away at and niggle away at your kind of self-esteem and your confidence and it is hard I get it and you know I think that's something that I do struggle with still myself but yeah if if it's getting too much I think muting accounts that you follow is a perfectly reasonable thing to do I think all you can do is keep painting that's that's all you can do keep moving forward yeah um, so I had another one here from Jennifer Donahue Art. Um, how do you move from casually sharing your art to actually selling it? Huge imposter syndrome. How did you make that transition? I didn't at first even put prices or anything on my work when I was sharing it at the beginning. I just was sharing the pictures, you know, like, here's something I did, here's something I did. Um, and then I would get DMs from people saying, is this for sale? I'd really, I really want to buy it. Um, or do you sell your work? And then... At the beginning, I sort of would say, oh, no, these are just test pieces or practice pieces or whatever. But then I found that eventually I felt confident enough if someone said that to say, well, yeah, actually it is. Um, and I really struggled with, obviously, the pricing thing. And that's a whole whole episode <laughs> in itself. Um, <laughs> but I would eventually come up with a price and they, you know, seemed more than happy to pay that amount. And so I think... It's a demand thing. If if there's people asking to buy your work, then, you know, don't shy away from selling it. What do you think? <laughs> My personal approach was probably the deep end. Like, I just jumped in. So you're not going to know. Like, I definitely have learnt a lot just by doing and failing. And so, like, the first lots of stuff that I put up on Instagram didn't go that well. Mm. Like, And a lot of it was lino prints and scarves and mm. cards and stuff. But I kind of just had to flail around and figure it out like figure out how to sell on my website how to market it how to and it, like none of that went that well but it's all skills that I've learned that I could use now mm. and to be honest one of the things that I learned was how much I hate selling <laughs> and so which is why I, I you know but I almost had to go through all that yeah and you can think about it for too long and sometimes I think you've just got to take the plunge and if it's something that you really want to do then and again I'd say get some art buddies trial stuff out on them, send them your emails, find people whose opinions you can trust and lean on them. Yeah. When you can't trust your own inner voice. I think just the, the one thing that you have to cultivate as an artist is a, is, a, is a thick skin towards things like art not selling because it's almost impossible um, feat to sell every single thing you create. There, you know, there, there are artists that get to that point in their career where everything they post sells straight away or whatever but let's just face it the majority of us that isn't the case and it's never going to be the case and you can't you know your first pieces of art that you put online whether you do it sell them on your instagram or whether you put them on your website you know they're never going to sell in your garage in a cupboard <laughs> with no one seeing them mm. so the the worst case scenario is that you put them out there on the internet with a price and nobody buys them well what's happened nothing really you know you you maybe your ego got a bit bruised and you felt a bit deflated but the best case scenario is that someone buys it and then you can celebrate that and it's going to take you maybe 10 20 times of posting art you know before you get a bite i mean you wouldn't give up fishing because you cast your line out and you didn't catch a fish the first time I mean my mm. husband goes fishing and goes for a whole day and doesn't catch anything <laughs> and he still goes back and does it again you've got to really you know the selling part is the is the cherry on the cake but the or the fish on the end of the line but the the act of actually 
creating the art has always got to be the driving thing that keeps you coming back for more and um I've got to remind myself of that quite often like that whole the selling part is really hard and it's the process and the process of creating it like there's that whole cliche mm. of you know do it for the process yeah um but I think you end up like I know that I enjoy my practice more when I'm doing it yeah. because I love it not when I'm thinking about sales and I think it does it's a really great pivot to, to make it's a really good paradigm shift that you can I find that at the moment I put stuff out for sale I have to start new work um and throw myself yeah. headfirst into creating the new piece of work and then I'm then I'm already in the process of enjoying myself again um right you know you don't want to just sort of sit there watching your website refresh <laughs> refreshing it <laughs> or your piece of you know whatever if you've listed it online it is hard but I, I think you've just got to realize that very 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 few artists are smugly sitting there posting their work going well can't wait for the money to roll in from this <laughs> you know it's not the case we're all thinking oh my god no one's gonna like it or buy it <laughs> um, so you know as soon as you realize that everybody feels like that it's comforting and it makes you feel just like that's the norm and that's just part of the process that's the unfortunate you know downside to being an artist so I've got a question here from me and Mabel and she says I got asked to do my first commission today and I instantly thought I'm not good enough sad face so of course those kind of things your first commission so that's that leveling up isn't it that's your first time of doing anything like that so naturally that's going to be the point where you where imposter syndrome rears its head um, and this mm. is where you you go to back to those thoughts and not facts thing they're just thoughts and you know that just because you've thought it doesn't mean it's true and you have to ask yourself well you know am I not good enough clearly someone has asked me to do a commission so if they've sought you out out of all the millions and billions of people in the world if they've come to you and asked you to do a commission that means that they've chosen you for a reason based on prior knowledge of what you do so that's what you need to tell yourself, okay? They they want my art because they like what I do. Therefore, I am good enough to do this. What do you think? If they've asked you to do a commission, think about They've seen your work. They haven't just come out of the blue. People mm. aren't going to spend money out of sympathy or no. what, do you know what I mean? whatever else is going through your head. They're not, they're not doing it for any other reason than they really love your work and you've just got to keep reminding yourself of that. They're not contacting you in some sort of a vacuum where they don't know what your what your work is like. Mm. Exactly. They've not come out of a vacuum, but perfectly summed it up. Oh, Helen Carter, artist, has asked, why do I feel more like a fraud after a major achievement? What do you think? It's almost a reluctance to celebrate your success. Mm. And I think it's because then you start raising the bar. I do think it's normal, but I also think that it's important to try and shake that off, whether that's, you know, talking to friends and family about, you know, the things that you should be celebrating. Mm. I feel like I haven't really answered this well, but I think I also don't really know what the answer is. Yeah. Because I know this is something that I struggle with. I think it's that point where you have to try to perhaps distance yourself from yourself. So try to, so look at that achievement Try to imagine that it's not you and it's, say, your best friend. And then, you know, list in your head or on paper or whatever that external evidence that proves why you have deserved this success. And then, you know, really, you can boil it down to the facts of, well, why have you achieved this achievement? And, um, you know... More often than not, I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not because you have scammed and, you know, blagged your way into that major achievement. You obviously have worked hard. You've obviously done X, Y and Z to get there. And so 
you you have to just realize that that voice that's telling you you're a fraud is lying to you and you wouldn't say to your friend oh you don't deserve that <laughs> you know you'd say amazing well done i'm so proud of you so you need to just turn that around and you know try to say those things to yourself and just yeah it's it is hard but that's the only way I can look at it really is that how would I speak to a friend or someone I loved that had told me that they had achieved that thing yeah Uh, yeah I think that's really great advice okay I've got one last one I think that's worth talking about here so I had a message here and I, I'm not going to say the person's name because I didn't check, but it says, um, I've called myself an artist for as long as I can remember while still at primary school, but imposter syndrome kicks in for me when I'm not earning a living. Um, I need to earn a living from my work. It's not a hobby. I'm not a kept person and I don't have a trust fund. With the cost of living crisis hitting everyone hard, this last year I've earned less than 15k on the back of a number of years of earning a very good income of 50k plus. Now imposter syndrome is kicking in hard and lots of self-doubt about my skills, abilities and talent. All the questions arise. Is my work undesirable or downright terrible? Is my pricing too high? Have I lost my mojo? And like I can relate to this because I have had, um, you know, a couple of really good years where my income kind of steadily grew. And then last year, it definitely took a bit of a downward kind of momentum. And I didn't make as much as I had the previous year you know and that you know there is a cost of living crisis it is difficult and the first thing to go are you know luxury items and non-essential items you know people need to put heating on in their homes before they need to buy a piece of art Um, so it's really really hard to not feel like an imposter or a fraud or whatever when you see a, 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 a you know downward turn on your income but you really yeah you've got to keep that in perspective because you know your work hasn't got worse my work definitely hasn't I don't think got worse um or anything like that it's not a pricing thing you know you can't suddenly sort of halve your prices because of the cost of living crisis in fact you know this is where we actually all need to make money so doing that's not going to serve you very well um we just need to kind of keep going, I think, through this difficult time. And this is the time to perhaps think about how you can diversify your income stream. So, you know, things like bringing in prints at a more affordable price point. Um, so you, you could try to bring something like that so you can sell more of one item at a lower price to create the same kind of income or a passive income. Um, you know, I've I created an online course which is a passive income that you know I don't have to do anything more to it, but people can just buy it from my web, my website and download that, and they've got that course without any extra input from me. But it's there, ticking away. So it's hard to not feel like an imposter, but it's not anything to do with you, your skills. This is just an unfortunate time like what do you think Julie what's your advice to someone I think this is really tough and I think especially coming off the last couple of years in the pandemic where there was a little bit more I think it was a better year for a lot of artists Mm. I think I don't know worldwide but I know in New Zealand and Australia I've spoken to a lot of artists that said it was a good couple of years for art people couldn't go on holiday could they they couldn't leave the country they they couldn't do anything and a lot of people were just at home in their houses thinking oh well let's spend that money on um, making our house look nice and buying a piece of art instead of going on holiday now this year obviously everybody can go away and spend money on flights and things instead and holidays that they haven't had for three years or whatever um yeah it is hard it is hard after yeah and I think hopefully listening to Phoebe and me and I can tell you I know the artists that I speak to regularly that it's slowed down for a lot of people. It's not just you. And Mm. I think that, I mean, hopefully that helps. And then I know me and a lot of other people are also thinking about, all right, so big works are getting slightly harder to sell. Mm. And 
and so I've moved to making a few little works lately. Yeah. Partly that was because I needed something that I could do during shorter amounts of time while I've got a newborn. Mm. But also part of that thought process was I need something at a lower price yeah. point. Yeah. And I don't do prints, so it's sort of make, finding a different workaround. Exactly. There's got. There's always a, you know, there's there's lots of ways that you can diversify that. And, like, I've been doing the, um, I did the 31-day challenge where I had the daily artworks and they were really popular and people asked if I could carry on. I mean, there's no way I can carry on doing one of those every day, but I've tried to decide to do one a week. I mean, it's a tiny amount of money a week, but it's, you know, still better better than nothing. And yep. then I'm going to turn the um, some of the works that I did during that 31-day project into prints myself and put those on my website. So those will be there again um, at a lower price point, more affordable. And, um, yes, yeah, so really you've just got to sort of think of ways around it. You're, you're not alone. There are so many people in this boat. You know, it, the, this recession has hit the whole world at the moment, um, post-pandemic. And so we are all kind of feeling the effects of it roll out and who knows how long it's going to be like this, really. I think it might even be, I mean, I think I agree absolutely. And the other thing that I would say to this person is if you can't think of any way of diversifying yourself, again, get that external opinion. So get someone else who knows Mm -hmm. you and your work well and see if they can come up with any ideas because... I might not have thought of doing little 10 centimetre squares, but someone else might have been able to think of that and say, oh, had you thought about doing that? It can help to get an outside opinion. Um, Or ask your followers, you know, you you ask the people that follow you because they obviously follow you for a reason. They love what you do. And, you know, perhaps they all can't really afford to buy your bigger work at the moment, but you could put it out there and say, look, if I were to do prints, would you be interested? Would you want limited edition? Would you want open edition? Would you want smaller original works? Um, what kind of price point? You know, put it out there. Ask some questions. Get some feedback from the people who actually follow you. Put it out on a newsletter. Ask your um, email subscribers. You know, if you don't ask, you're never going to know. And you might end up finding that you can, you know, people might say, look, I really want to learn from you. Can you create an online course? Can you do a one-to-one um mentorship can you um do a in-person event can you do a local you know art workshop once a week you know there's so many avenues that you could potentially go down that might work for you but you do need to open that um conversation up to be able to see where where it's going to resonate with your with your clients or followers this is from lulucius I forgot how you say this. Lelucius. Advice for chaotic, messy artists that don't feel, inverted commas, professional enough to be taken seriously. And yeah, I definitely have felt that imposter syndrome when it comes to me not feeling professional. Um, Because I tend to, like I talked about before, I've been quite vulnerable, shown different sides of myself, been silly, been humorous. Done, you know done silly reels taken the mickey out of myself quite a lot shown all of the sides of myself rather than just the professional artist um here's my painting here's my painting here's my painting and I have every now and then gone oh have I done have I shown too much uh, you know am I am I going to be taken seriously um all I can say is that I don't know if any artist out there doesn't have a chaotic, messy side. You might even be surprised how much people resonate with that. Yeah. I would very rarely just go and buy a piece of art without without having some sort of connection to that artist as well. And I think the more... I've connected with a person and who they are, the more I connect to their art. And so if you show that chaotic, messy side of who you really, really are, and that is also showing up in your art, then that becomes like 
they're symbiotic you know the artist and the art feed off each other and I want to invest into not just the art but the artist too and there's something about the artist that I think I love that I love the art and I love that artist and I want to have that in my home and I would never buy a piece of art if I didn't like or can feel connected to the artist Mm. if that person feels like me you know in a way I connect and I go I see a piece of myself in that art because that artist feels like also they share the values and the personality traits of me and I that makes me feel seen and that makes me resonate and that's why I want to have that piece of art on my wall you know so I think the moment you try to water down yourself and dull down who you are in order to in inverted commas be professional professional you are you're doing your art a disservice and you're taking away taking away the essence of what makes your art uniquely yours what do you think and I I think that being an artist you don't need there's not a prescriptive view of what an artist looks like a Mm. professional artist doesn't look like any one thing in particular and if you are messy and chaotic and then I think embrace that instead of trying to shy away from that and I've got to say I occasionally do over edit myself so if I I do a lot of I've said this last time I spend a lot of time in the studio looking quite chaotic myself (laughs) um and I'm trying to get over that because I don't think it puts people off. I think people, you know, whenever I've posted stuff and painting in my pyjamas or mm. just trying to organise, trying to find time at the moment is really hard for me and I haven't shied away from showing that lately. Yeah. Um, and it's really lovely the conversations that come out of it and you might find that you end up finding more people to chat to and more collectors of your work who feel really passionately about what you do because you put that passion out there um and if you want to you know if you're worrying that a gallery isn't going to take you seriously if that's what you're worried about I mean you know when you approach a gallery you're just sending images of your work and you know the the work should be the merit that they take whether you know they should be looking at your work to see whether or not it fits in their gallery and I'm pretty sure they're not going to go over to your Instagram and look at it and think well this person looks too messy (laughs) I mean I don't know but I would I would Mm. not think that that even comes into the conversation at all I, I would assume that they're looking at your work and that alone as to whether or not it is a good fit Okay, so one last thing from Noni B Artwork. She sent some um, memes to me about imposter syndrome and I thought this was quite a nice one to wrap up our conversation with. Um, There's a meme and it says, Embrace imposter syndrome. Revel in the fact that you have fooled everyone. You are a trickster (laughs) goddess. You are the imposter child for deception and clever ruses. And I think maybe we all need to realise that we, we all have imposter syndrome. So if we're all thinking like we're frauds, and then maybe just lean into that. Like, yes, I've conned them all into <laughs> buying my artwork. <laughs> we can just all pretend that we're, you know, superhuman imposters. I think that's a better way to look at it than feel like a, a feel like, you know, something you need to shy away from. Anyway. Um, I was listening to a podcast last night, one of my favourites, Chat 10 Looks 3, mm. and they were interviewing a writer who I really love, Helen Garner, and she was talking, and she didn't name it imposter syndrome, but I had a couple of little quotes that I thought I'd yeah. read out because I felt like they were really relevant to the chat today. Okay. And again, she's talking about writing, but just, you know, insert your chosen medium here. Mm-hmm. Um, so she says, you have to do, you have to be sure that you can't do it in order to do it. It's as if you've got to go into the part of yourself that is abject and hapless and ignorant. I thought I knew how to write, but I don't know how to write. I knew how to write that book, that one over there that's finished, but I don't know how to write this one that I want to write right now. It's as if you've got to teach yourself how to write again every time. 
And I just, when mm. she was saying that, I was thinking, oh, God, that's how I feel every time I start a painting. Yeah. Like, I finished that last one, but now that I'm starting this one, I don't know how to paint. What am I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Every time, I, that's why I paint um, my canvases with, like, a undercoat, like, um, what's it called? What do you call it? A coloured primer. A coloured yeah. primer. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, probably, yeah. yeah, I can't stare at a white canvas because it just feels Same. like, oh, my gosh. This blank canvas is just too intimidating and I've forgotten how to paint. And as soon as I've got some paint on there, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I know how to use a paintbrush. I forgot. It's fine. It's so hard, though, isn't it? Oh, I get that yeah, feeling at the beginning of every single one. That's what I feel like right now because I've just finished a painting on the weekend. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, I've got to get the white canvas out. <sighs> Did you have a listener fail to read out? I do have a listener fail. It's quite a good one, actually. Um, this is by Kate Quinn Art, and this is called, <laughs> she sends, Secure Your Effing Hanging Wire. <laughs> she says here, I had just painted the biggest painting I've ever done, over 120 centimetres high, and it was the hero piece for my upcoming first solo exhibition. The only space I had big enough to hang it was my hallway, which I did. Now, I use oils, so they stay wet for days, and when I hung it, it was still very wet. Anyway, I proudly hung the finished painting, which had taken me countless hours, walked back into my studio and heard a huge crack. I ran out to see the hanging wire had broken and the painting had dropped onto the floor, then fallen face first onto my hallway wool carpet runner. I picked it up to find literally thousands of carpet fibres, dog hairs, cat hairs, human hairs and dirt particles <laughs> stuck in the paint. Fuck! <laughs> I swore a lot, had a little cry, and then spent at least an hour plucking hairs off the canvas with a pair of tweezers. The painting didn't sell at my exhibition, by the way, but it did sell a long time later, still with hundreds of pet hairs in the paint, which I decided to view as texture. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know, that not... me to listen to. That's the sort of thing that would happen to me. <laughs> Oh my gosh, when I read that, I just like, I could, I literally like was like cringing going, oh my gosh, because I can just imagine how awful that would feel to just see it face down. <sighs> oh no, anyway, gosh, That's yes. Not fun. Lesson for us all, always check your hanging wire is very, very secure. Um, okay, well. I think that might be it for today i think we just about covered everything that we wanted to cover sorry if we didn't answer your listener question this time we're gonna um try and keep the conversation going over on instagram though once this comes out so if there's something you um have to add to it please go and follow along and make sure you um join the conversation at fail like an artist uh julie thank you so much for joining us today you can um Find us over at Fail Like an Artist. You can find us personally. I'm at Julie Battisti on Instagram and Facebook and juliebattisti.com. And Phoebe is... I'm over on um, my Instagram at PhoebeGanderArt and my website is phoebegander.com. And I just want to say a little thank you to everybody who has done a uh, review yes. and given us five stars on wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Um, we have had a lot more than we thought so we were going to do like read out the reviews but I think it would be very long and actually last a whole podcast if we did that because we've had <laughs> so many um so I really appreciate everybody that's done that what we're going to do instead I think is do a little thing on our Instagram stories um where we try to share the Instagram handle of anyone that has listed um sorry that anyone who has left a review so keep an eye out for that and yeah we really appreciate it because it does Thank make a massive so difference all right well julie um i've got to go and see what my children are up to and same, no, same. no doubt you've got to go and see your little little baby um and we'll um but thank next you week. yeah nice to speak to you and thank you all for listening so until next time awesome okay bye bye keep failing Wait, is that the beginning? Oh. Was that it? Oh, sorry. Was it not good enough for you? <laughs> and then like, the, I don't know, I feel like this should be a fanfare. <laughs> <laughs> this okay, week? Sorry.
So, <laughs> how do we do this? What do we do again? Yes. So organised. So Julie. <laughs> I'm rubbing off. Because <laughs> I've got Too a much quote. Julie for Julie. <laughs> you love it. Phenomenon. <laughs> Say it again. <sighs> Dis there's so many long words, Julie. <laughs> If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.